You're listening to an Englishman in the Balkans. Welcome to an Englishman in the Balkans podcast with me, David Pecinovic Bailey. In this podcast, you'll get a unique look at life in Bosnia and Herzegovina through my eyes, the eyes of an immigrant. Each episode, I share my experiences living in this often misunderstood country and introduce you to some of the interesting people I've met along the way. From exploring the rich culture and history to discussing the challenges and joys of immigrating to a new country, this podcast offers a thoughtful and engaging look at life in the Western Balkans. This is the Balkan Adventures podcast, everyday life and experiences in the Western Balkans. We sat today in um, in a coffee bar in Banja Luka. Um, and, you know, being an Englishman in the Balkans, sometimes you feel that you're the only foreigner that is um, in Banja Luka. Having said that, there are there are about five others, four of which are Brits. So I'm not totally alone. But today I've caught up with um, Christoph Baumgartner. Christoph is uh, going to tell us anyway, but I think comes from Bech, which is Vienna. Mm-hmm. Um, He's also a journalist, and he runs this amazing blog called BalkanStories.net. We're going to talk about that as well. So let's do it properly uh, and find out a little bit about why uh, an Austrian has an obsession with the Balkans. So why the Balkans for an Austrian? I guess I've always had friends from down here. Uh, Like... When I was in kindergarten, I had like a playmate that was from what was back then Yugoslavia uh, in primary school. And, and, and later on, you know, when I moved to, to Vienna, I've always lived in, in, in areas that are mainly proletarian, mainly migrant. And to think that one, of, one out of every 10 Viennese does have roots in, in former Yugoslavia. And we're just talking first and second generation. Uh, so, you know, at some point in time in my life I just decided to to find out you know where all these friends of mine come from and and what their background is and and why too um, the horrible things that happened 20 years ago or 25 years ago now could happen because that was also when one thing when when, when I grew up that we we uh, that my mother uh, uh, took care of, of a couple of refugees from, from Bosnia and Croatia, so, so that also was, was something. Um, and it slowly developed into to a passion. I, yeah, let's call it a passion. You're a journalist, um, but you blog, and you might say, well, blogging is a natural extension for a journalist, but it seems as things develop in the digital world, that bloggers are becoming their own sort of genre, their own sort of DNA um, within the internet and not conforming to the normal rules of accepted journalism. What would you say you are primarily? Are you still a journalist or, or do you see yourself, as, as time goes on, becoming more of a blogger? I would say that... I'm still mainly a journalist, but, but I'm, I'm trying to... to, to uh, covered long abandoned tradition 
of subjective yet neutral journalism. Um, like, if you look at journalistic works of, of Ernest Hemingway, for instance, he did that, or his Austrian Czech counterpart uh, Egon Evan Kish, who did that a lot, and 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 those are journalists that that have inspired me a lot, and and I would would actually call them the the if you will the grandfathers of, of journalistic blogging. So 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 really to to do stuff at your own time, uh, at your own pace, and at your own length, which is what I love about my blog. I can do what I want. Uh, I still try to to adhere to journalistic standards, and I think I do a better job than actually a lot of professional journalists do on their paid jobs. But uh, it enables me to to give my individual perspective while while still trying to to be neutral, if you will. How difficult has it been to set up a, a blog? I mean, people think it's you know pretty easy. You hook onto WordPress and you start churning out content without any discipline, without without any real care. How difficult has it been to, to establish Balkan stories, to have, like, it's got a considerable readership um, and, and a whole breadth of stories? Um, well, I thought it was easier than it turned out to be, like, like many people. Uh, um, luckily, I've, I've got a lot of routine and in, in, in writing and then discipline writing also, so that did help a lot. But uh, one of the things that I underestimated was the need for images, for instance. Um, one of the things that I'm, I'm still trying to, to get good at is, um, let's call it self-marketing, because I think there would be a lot more people interested in, in, in reading my stories uh, than are currently reading them. When you when you get responses, for me in particular, people are more interested in the the darker, the more unpleasant side of the former Yugoslavia, uh, the Bosnia Herzegovina, the Serbia, the Croatia, the Montenegro of today, rather than the positive things. Um, what's your experience dealing with that? Actually, I think I do get more response. For positive stories, actually, I mean, I'm, I, I do try to, to to cover both ends, but but both ends from from an angle you wouldn't normally have have any place for in in, in standard media, or or I I would like to avoid the term mainstream media because it it sounds a bit hostile now, and and it's being abused by a lot of people who want to spin a conspiracy theories. Um, so. You know, let's let's say, uh, for instance, I discover a Facebook video with a very, very nice Bosnian joke, and I'm so proud that I understood enough of the language to get the point of, of, of that video, of, of that joke, uh, and I posted that online, and people were like, yeah, great, you did that, uh, and yeah, finally, some somebody did that, uh, not, notwithstanding the fact that... that of course, I only had a fraction of, of people watching it on, on my blog compared to, to to the Facebook page, which I think was, I think there the, the video was watched half a million times or, or even more than that. And that was just a simple thing to do. I mean, it took me 10 minutes maybe, you know, asking the guy who posted it on his Facebook page if, if I could use it, and he was like, okay with it, and then, you know, write the text around it. 
just a few lines. I mean, not as a, a video that's self-explaining to, to everybody who, who speaks the language. So, you know, waste no time about it. And, and, and you know, that was very encouraging to, to see that, that I made people smile. Uh, I love to do that, of course. Uh, but, but also, like, on, on more negative stories that I do, sometimes I do get response, and that also is encouraging because I, most of the time I try to, to cover those angles that are frequently overlooked by, by uh, Western media. I try to cover the poverty you want to encounter here, the open poverty, uh, for instance. Uh, and that also does at least occasionally get some response and, and, and I have people tell me thank you for telling that story because it needed to be told. People should take a closer look here. This is the Balkan Adventures podcast. You get lots of unique stories as well. One in particular that has always stuck in my mind was I thought, you know, where the heck did Christoph find the story about uh, drinking for peace, about craft beer. Uh, it was such an amazing story. You can check it out on the blog. Um, it, it was wonderful. So where do you get these really offbeat stories from? That was pure luck. Actually, the guys who, who initiated the project emailed me if I didn't want to write a story about them. That, so so that, was, that was really pure luck. And, and I do get that occasionally too, like... like Authors uh, uh, writing to me, don't you want to do a re review of my book or don't you want to cover that? Uh, there's also a story I think I could be doing for you or should be doing actually for you. I need to have it translated. A friend of mine, uh, Bosnian-Austrian, uh, has published an all-comprehensive traveler's guide to Yes, Bosnia. yes, 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 yes. Tell, uh, me, tell us about it. Uh, so, so Amel uh, is totally unsatisfied with, with how Bosnia is, is represented internationally as, as a tourism destination. So he decided to, to write his own book with destinations that he went to. And I think it's, it's like the traveler's guide with the most destinations in it, actually. And, you know, he, he, he doesn't write a lot about history, perhaps, but, but just about the beauty of the country and what you do when you were in a certain place and um, it has lots of images in it and it's very comprehensive and I think it's been published in five languages so far um, Bosnian or the language formerly known as, as Croatian or a language without name yeah. whatever you want to call it yeah we always have that problem <laughs> um, German Turkish English and I think Italian that's amazing. Hey, you you come here twice twice a year, and we were talking before we we, we started this discussion about um, the problem that we we perceive as being a problem for the country. That you know everything gravitates to Sarajevo in the first instance, and then in the second instance it gravitates to Mostar. We're sat in a coffee bar in Banja Luka at the moment, um, which I have rarely rarely seen on any tour. Um, itinerary but yet there's there's a lot of history here there's a lot of culture that seems to get lost i have this impression that there, there's gonna you know there are black holes of information in the balkans what's your view on that well definitely and 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 saying that like like being as, as somebody who has come to regard sarajevo as a second home actually um you know it is through friends here that i find out about stuff 
to do and, and to visit mainly. Um, and I'm, I'm lucky to have these friends. Um, it's, you know, for, for us in, in the West, it's mostly cliche. And then, then you've got a couple of traveler's guides with outdated infos. And this doesn't solely concern Bosnia, by the way. Uh, and then you're stuck in a place uh, and you're wondering what to do. When, when you don't have anybody who knows the place around here, you're bored to death. And that is sad because it is very hard to find good info on, on what to do when, when, for instance, you want to travel to Bosnia and, and try to be off the beaten path perhaps a bit. Mostar is a beautiful city, but if you've been there once, I think it's enough. You know, unless you've got good friends there, you know, you don't want to bump into all those tourists. Sarajevo is great if, you know, like, the corners of the town are usually not in the spotlights. Uh, Banyaluka, I don't know enough about, but Banyaluka... Uh, has me fascinated with this mix of architectures, for instance. You never read about that. Or at least I don't recall ever reading about it. Just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't exist. And and so I think it, it would be a very good thing for for Bosnia to understand itself as a as a country, as a united country, and to promote tourism and to perhaps get some comprehensive traveler's guides published. That would be a good start. Let's go back to Sarajevo for, for, for a second. And, um, you know, when you go to Sarajevo, they, they say, oh, you can go in the city center and you'll see a mosque and you'll see an Orthodox church and you'll see a Christian church and you can go and visit them all. And, and is, isn't this a wonder? How the heck did you find the synagogue? Um... Well, that was in a traveler's guide, actually, for once. But, but you know, you really, you really have to leave through this. Uh, and, and, and there are two, actually, one, one of which is a museum. And that one's better described in, the, uh, in a traveler's guide. And the other one, uh, I passed by, actually looking for something else. And then I passed it by and I th- thought, didn't I read something about this building in a traveler's guide? It must be a synagogue. And then, then, then I wander into there, expecting having security checks as, as customs in, in, in Austria because, well, you know, we do have neo-Nazi anti-Semites, we do have a couple of Islamistic anti-Semites, so, well, there are some serious security issues for, for the synagogue in, in Vienna. And nobody asks me, asks me for an ID, it's, it's just a friendly young girl working there asking me whether I want uh, a guided tour through the synagogue. Uh, then there is the cafeteria I can go to openly with, with a couple of people just hanging out just normally, everybody happy, I'm, I'm there very welcoming and, and after the tour I get invited to to, um, to Shabbat prayer which was a, a great experience even for me not being a religious person but the best thing of, of them all in the cafeteria there, the cafeteria is I think the only place in all of Sarajevo that calls Turkish coffee still Turkish coffee it's domestic elsewhere, isn't it? Right, right, right. It's 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 so much a cup of domestic coffee, which uh, uh, Balkan Kafane in Vienna also sell it as as domestic uh, coffee, and there is nothing domestic about it in Vienna, but they still use the term. 
you know, what we should do, I think, in the future is, you know, reserve a weekend and, and, and the two of us should do, you know, uh, the off-the-track um, Banyaluka. What do you actually look for, though, when you, when you go to somewhere in the country that you've never been before? Is there a sort of plan that you have? Do you start with architecture or do you start with religion or do you start with food? You know, what is your plan? Um... I'm always trying to, to go to places to meet people, to, to talk to people. Um, that is what interests me the most. Sometimes you're not as lucky as, as you hope you were. Uh, and of course, sometimes when, when you go to specific places, you do have places in mind that you desperately want to see. Uh, but, but mainly for, for me, it's like, okay, you know, um, I, I came to Banyaluka for the first time to, to see uh, uh, the... I think here it's called Narodni Muse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Just over oh, there, the night of the museum, yeah. Um, and, and, and the Muse of, of Republika Zrebska to, to, to take a look at, at the, the reconstruction or to some degree rewriting of, of, of history because that is a topic that generally interests me. And then, then it was like, yeah, and I do want to meet some friendly people here too and uh, well I did on, on, on my first try and we're still in contact So This is the Balkan Adventures podcast. As far as the Balkans are concerned that's either because you do write balkanstories.net we're going to just ask you a little bit about that in just a sec but you know if you ha- this is always a difficult question to ask I think it's an amazingly hard question to answer but you're going to do it I know um, one place in the Balkans if you could say to a, uh, a northern European when you go to the Balkans you must go here what would Christoph Baumgartner's um, suggestion be? I think it would depend on the person. I think. Well, oh, that's trying to get out of it now. Uh, <laughs> well, the, definitely no, no. The, but 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 there are basically, I, I I think two places that that really really do it for me. Like like city wise, uh, if you want a more exotic experience, uh, it would definitely be Sarajevo. Otherwise, it would be Belgrade. Um, but if you're a nature person, try to try anything along Neretva. Anything, and, and you'll love it. Uh, so so it, it really is a hard choice because, you know, I'm, I'm always having the person in mind I'm, I'm suggesting this to. Um, or I've, I've been suggesting to, to a couple of people rather unsuccessfully, admittedly, uh, who I know like to take vacations by the sea and, and um, are always looking for affordable places to go to. I told them, go to Neum. Admittedly, I've never been, but... but uh, oh, yeah, that's Bosnia. <laughs> Bosnia's 23 kilometers of coast, right? Right, right. Yeah. Uh, and, and I always tell them, you know, give that a try. Rather was Montenegro. You know, it's a good bargain, very friendly people, great food... Great landscape. What more could you want? Uh, unfortunately, people still have those cliches in, in your heads about the Balkans and are not that adventurous, so they would rather go to Mallorca instead and, and get trapped within thousands of drunk Germans, which is not the most pleasant experience that I can <laughs> imagine. But, uh, but you know, I hope that at least one day I'll, I'll succeed in, 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 in convincing somebody to go to Neo, for instance. Fave Balkan food. Oh, that's a tough one because that's a long list. Um, but you, got, you only got one. You've only got one. <laughs> um, 
Uh, okay, Muchkalitsa. Muchkalitsa? Yeah. Muchkalitsa. Hmm. That's, that's like a gulashi chorba, sort of like mishmash, right? Right, right. Uh, prefer from veal, but from pork it's, it's also great, and, and with fresh kaimak on it. And we don't get that at home. We, we do have some, some restaurants that uh, carry muskalitsa. Rarely that you find them in Vienna. Uh, but no kaimak topping. No kaimak topping. It's not the same thing. Fave drink? Uh, I mean, nectar, uh, as you so, so... Um, it's domestic. <laughs> it's, it's, it's domestic. It's a domestic beer. That, that is good. Uh, wow. It's, you know, it's Sarajevsko, Nektar, um, Nikšičko, now that I got it out. Uh, so one of these three I, I probably would... You recommend? Uh, Šlivovic. Tra- very traditional here, not very original, but... Because I, I love Loza. I just love... Yeah, I that, love... That, 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 that's, that, that's me. You know, that's great also. But for me, it's Schliebowitz ever since my grandfather made uh, Schliebowitz in his, in his basement in, in Austria, you know, just as little amounts that you were allowed and are allowed to, to make at home back then. And then it was Schliebowitz. And then it's been that for me ever since. Tell us about... Um, tell me about uh, BalkanStories.net. Um, you know, this is your... How may, however many minutes you need of uh, shameless self-promotion. <laughs> but no, no, it, 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 it's, a, it, it's a very good read, and it's got a, an amazing variety uh, of, of topics uh, and stories. But, but you are BalkanStories.net, so nobody finer to ask. So tell. Uh, well, like I was saying, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to cover unusual angles, stuff that nobody writes about, and... Uh, by now, I've, I've got a network of, of friends that do help me find stories, and, and some, some of them are stories that uh, they're personally involved in, which, you know, doesn't matter. And so, so like, like and, and, and sometimes it's, it's just stuff that I run across because I listen to people. Last year, a guy at Kucha Zvecep, the, the uh, Tito Museum in, in Belgrade, told me, yeah, Tito still gets letters, and I decided to follow uh, up that story this year, because it, it would have been his 125th birthday. So first I write an email to, to the museum, no reply. That's negative side about the Balkans. Nobody ever replies to emails. And then I call him up from, from Vienna, and, and actually another curator tells me, yeah, this is true, you know. And, and she found it totally amazing that anybody could find it interesting. Um, or the whole complicated story about the National Library in, in, in Sarajevo that's, that's really being mistreated horribly with, with the city government not letting it into the building that has been reconstructed um, three years ago to be the new old seat of, of the National Library. Uh, to my knowledge, I was the first one to cover that outside of Bosnia, or at least outside of ex-Yugoslavia. And I also initiated a solidarity reading for them, which was not so successful on, on, on the Vienna end, uh, although we, we had great authors, but it was raining, it was windy, and we were doing it outside. Besides, it was cold, so... We never had an audience of more than three, like, combined. Uh, but it got the people in Sarajevo enormous coverage, like, like 
a whole lot of TV station all of a sudden turned up because they learned that we had a reading in Vienna, which was, which I still do not understand. But but I I like it. You know, I I, I like that I made a difference. We're we're uh, like writing about Bud Amel that that I mentioned before, Amel Salbashic, uh, who wrote that the comprehensive uh, traveler's guide to Bosnia. Um, so that's you know that's the thing I love doing, or, or you know writing about the the, the synagogue and in, in, in Sarajevo. I hope that on my next trip to to Belgrade, I write about their synagogue too. Um, and and now I've got tons of stories that you know I've I've packed up. Uh, like, oh my gosh, I got into the building of Tanyuk. Okay, it wasn't that difficult. It was a you know, night of the museum and everything, so it was free entry for everybody. But I would, there I am in a building of, of the legendary news agency that still exists and nobody knows why because they're supposed to have been shut down for two years. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to follow up on that angle too, but, but you know, just to have been in there is, is an amazing thing, and then I'll convey that. They had great photographs, by the way. Uh, so, I mean, that is also something I'll, I'll do. Or, or sometimes, you know, just a nice photo story when, when, when I run across something like Mostar and, and, and Rain, which I published, uh, actually, I think, just a week or ten yeah, days ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in, in black and white. Because, like, you know, I'm not a photographer per se. Sometimes, I, you know, sometimes I, I'll do lucky shots, and i got a good, trustworthy camera. I don't do most of the work. But, uh, you know, I thought, you know, let's do it black. Let's do that in black and white. Let's do it in rain because, first of all, black and white looks good in rain. Uh, and secondly, nobody—I think nobody ever does master in rain. Let's do it. Let's see what it looks like. This is the Balkan Adventures podcast. You know, when you go back through your archives, which you must do every now and again, you know what blog posts that you've uh, posted on the site gives you that real special feeling and, and generates a massive smile on your face. I think it about, it's about the sculpture of Travnik. I was visiting the uh, Ivo Andrich Birthplace Museum, and then the curator, whom I had an interview with, uh, tells me, yeah, after the interview, and then two hours, and I'm really hungry, and I'm exhausted, and thirsty and everything. But he tells me, you know, there's somebody I'd like you to meet. Closes up the museum, takes me basically around the corner to a barber shop. Uh, and there is this guy, um, Louis, who doesn't speak any English, uh, who's made this amazing sculpture in, 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 front of, in front of the museum. And turns out the guy's a refugee from Basra in Iraq. He's lived in Bosnia for, uh, for uh, almost 20 years. And, and then I was doing an interview with him uh, in, in my rudimentary Bosnian. And then we were, you know, we were managing. And then and he's an artist who runs the barbershop to, to make a living. Also draws paintings and does a sculpture every couple of years that he donates to the people of Travnik. Uh, and the last of which was, was the Divanlish statue that almost failed because he had a sponsor for the metal back then I mean, and, and he pays for like everything else but, but he had a sponsor to, to, to pay for the metal and the guy and the night before they were supposed to deliver the metal the guy calls him up and tells him no sorry can't pay so he digs up like every cent he's got in the house literally slaughters his kids pit, 
kitty, uh, piggy banks, as he told me, and 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 you know, so so he could pay the metal, uh, and then does the sculpture, and 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 you know, and now it's in, in front of the museum, and that's such a great story. Um, that that's heartwarming, because it tells me what human beings can be like if you let them. Certainly uh, heartwarming. Finally, what's the plans for BalkanStories.net? Perhaps to, to um, grow sort of one, at one point in time, I could at least, you know, make a little money to, to, to cover for some parts of, of, my, uh, of my traveling. Um, and to, to, to find a readership that I think spreads the word a lot more and, and perhaps helps a lot of people reconsider their opinions on the Balkans and then particularly ex-Yugoslavia. I think that, I mean, like, like the latter part is, is what this blog is here for, to, to, to try and avoid cliches. Um, which is not entirely possible because we all have them. But but, but at least you know whenever I, I kind of want to mail and I, uh, I stop and, and and think about it. Uh, and luckily I, by now I do have some readers that, that point out some things to me. And 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 perhaps you know at one point in time it can make a contribution for people to to see the Balkans with at least less cliches and perhaps to reconsider. Uh, development politics by the West and the Balkans and perhaps they also reconsider how they themselves treat migrants from the Balkans and then the countries that they live in. To find out more about us and where we live, why not check out our blog at anenglishmaninthebalkans.com See you next time. So that's it for this episode. Our podcast is available on all major podcast platforms. And if you like this podcast, then please do leave us a review or send us an email. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you would like to support us and the production of future episodes, then please consider maybe giving us a tip or becoming a member of our podcast family. The link to do that is in the show notes for this podcast. Thanks again for listening. We really do appreciate it. To find out more about us and where we live, why not check out our blog at anenglishmaninthebalkans.com.